0: The one who praise the, the darkness with a liberating light. light. Praise the one who praise frees the prisoners, the darkness turning blindness into sight. Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's gospel text from Luke chapter 15 is really just a series of three parables, and they all relate to one another. So let's read the text and dig in. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he is lost, one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. So, three parables, back to back to back, and the context around all of these parables. Note that they're all, again, back to back to back. There's no gap. The context is verse 1 of today's text. Tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to him. I guess we got to include verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them that sets the stage for what jesus does next so question to begin the night with with your children are there any people in this world who aren't sinners are any of us perfect the answer to that is no but in jesus time here and you can see it in our era as well i mean probably every era of man the pharisees and the scribes thought that there were others who were worse than they were they may not have actually viewed themselves as perfect although they thought they were doing pretty good but a tax collector who robs people for a living or as we're going to see the the older brother mentioned later on in the text a prostitute these were shameful how dare jesus interact with people like that that's the picture That sets the stage. So, Jesus gives three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. I would be willing to guess here that most people know the parable of the prodigal son in the Christian church pretty well. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin are not difficult parables when you look at them. So, um, the first one, the the lost sheep, if you've got a hundred sheep and you lose one of them, it wanders off what would you do? Just chalk it up as a loss and we'll move on? Well, you'd probably leave the 99 sheep behind. This is assuming that you have, you know, other people that are there watching those 99. Otherwise, you've not lost them too. So you've got shepherds that are with you, however it may go. And so you leave and you go searching for that one missing sheep. And when you find it, you rejoice, you celebrate. What was lost is now found. So you come home, you gather your friends, you gather your neighbors, you invite them to celebrate with you. Look at this, my lost sheep is found. That's sensible, it makes sense. And we're going to see the same thing with the parable of the lost coin. That a woman who has ten silver coins loses a coin, so now she's down to nine. What's she going to do? She's going to sweep her house again and again until she finds it. This is something your kids can relate to. Which of you lost something and you searched everywhere for it? You looked all over the house again and again and again. And when you finally found it, assuming you found it, you were excited. You celebrated that you found it. Look, mom. Look, dad. Now, in my house, I guess, that's assuming that they didn't just say, Mommy, where's my daddy? I can't find my... (laughs) That happens all the time. But you get the picture here, right? And so Jesus is teaching through both of those first two parables that there is celebration in heaven. This is verse seven. Over one sinner who repents, than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And again, if we stop and slow down here, where are the 99 righteous people that don't need repentance? In the history of creation, there haven't even been 99 people that did not need to repent. There's been one. And we killed him. Jesus alone is the only one who has not needed to repent of his sins. So, this is again looking at the context. The tax collectors and the sinners are the one sheep that has wandered off. The Pharisees and the scribes believed themselves to be the 99 righteous persons. But in reality, they are also the, wa- the wandering and lost sheep who needs to be rescued. So there is rejoicing in heaven, there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Any one of them, Pharisee, scribe, tax collector, sinner, prostitute, any of those things mentioned in this chapter, any of them, there is rejoicing in paradise, rejoicing that you get to be part of the family of God. So you, dear brother or sister on the other end of this podcast, there is rejoicing in heaven, by the angels of God over you, that you have repented, that you believe the good news. Now, the parable of the prodigal son really has a very similar meaning behind it. It's well known enough that if your children are are able to speak, if they know some Bible stories, you might see if they know this one and if they can tell you this story before you even read it to them tonight. Um, if If they can, fantastic. And one of the ways to build on that is to let them tell you the story, what they can remember, and then read the text together. Maybe you have them read it, maybe you read it aloud. And let them, well, let them see, but you can also point out to them some of the things that they missed. You know, if they got a detail wrong, don't don't really hammer at them for it. You gently correct, right? Softly guide. Um, but at the same time, point out things that they just didn't include and continue to build on what they know about the stories that the the Lord teaches to us. All right, so as we look at the parable of the prodigal son, the man who has two sons, we know the man to be God, right? And the two sons are the same as the parables we've already looked at. The 99 sheep versus the one, or the nine coins and the one. The older brother is the nine coins that stayed in the woman's coin purse. The 99 sheep are the one's... Sorry, the older brother is the 99 sheep that stayed in the field, while the younger is that one missing coin. He is the one lost sheep. Specifically to this parable, though, so the younger son demands his father give him his share of the property. So when when a man dies, his property is divided among his sons, and The firstborn son, according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, I believe, receives a double portion. So in the case of having two brothers, and the older to get two portions, the younger to get one, everything gets divided into thirds, and the younger son is going to get one-third. But what's he asking dad here? I mean, again, you get the inheritance when dad dies. Dad dropped dead. I'd rather have my stuff than have you. Right? That's the picture here. And also the impact that that has on the father. What's he do with that stuff? Right? His property. You think of a home. You think of livestock. You think of the things that help him to better his income and care for his family. Sell it off so that he can, you know, give in to his son's ridiculous demand here. That gives us pause to think about what the Lord has done for us. Right? The Lord created us, the Lord gave us everything, and yet we weren't satisfied. We weren't content with that. We demanded and demanded, and so the Lord even gave up his own son for us. Anyway, back on to the parable. The younger son takes all he has, goes on a journey to a faraway country, and squanders it all. We're not actually told what he squanders it on. That doesn't matter, per se although the older brother seems to know. Notice that he has not talked to his younger brother. He has not seen his younger brother. So his report to dad that younger brother squandered everything on prostitutes, at best is him hearing reports, perhaps gossip, and at worst is just him making up stuff. We don't actually know, but he squandered it. He wasted it, all of it, spent it all. famine hits, he's in need. He cannot care for himself. He cannot provide for himself. So he hires himself out to a pig herder, pig farmer. Now, bear in mind this is a Jewish culture and according to the Old Testament, pigs are unclean. There's not a real reason for a Jewish person to raise pigs. They're unclean. You go near them, you're going to be unclean. You can't eat them, so you can't not going to do that. And why, if you think something is sinful, why would you raise it so that you could sell it to somebody else so that they could eat it, right? That wouldn't make any sense either. So here he is, so poor that he's now working as a, well, the man who feeds the pigs for the pig farmer. He's got nothing of his own. He's unclean by the Old Testament law, He's in a really low spot. He even wants the food that the pigs eat. Then he comes to himself, as Jesus phrases it, he recognizes that his father's hired men have it better. He would be better off to be one of his father's hired hands, and so he decides to go home. Notice what he says here. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Nearly identical words in verse 21 when he actually gets to see his father, but we'll come back to that in just a moment. He arises, he goes. And what's dad's response? Is dad's response anger? Is dad's response to brush him aside and ignore him? Dad's response is the Opposite of what the son expected. Dad comes running out to greet him. You will often hear as people discuss this text, the idea that this was unfitting, um, not befitting a man of his stature. So in Jewish culture, children run. A young man might have to run, but an older man who is well-established, he doesn't run. He's got people to do that for him. And yet this man runs. He goes out he embraces his son he kisses his son his son tries the confession right he confesses his sin before both heaven and his father and what's the dad say he doesn't even turn to the son he doesn't speak to the son at this time he simply calls one of his servants remember the son wants to be one of those servants bring him the best robe put it on and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet he dresses him like a son he dresses him like part of the family bring the fattened calf kill it let's eat let's celebrate so remember the first two parables of the chapter much rejoicing in heaven more joy in heaven sorry over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents so it is in the parable of the prodigal son joy joy in heaven before the father that this son has repented my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found ephesians 2 describes us that way dead in our trespasses and yet rescued by god romans chapter 6 it's verse 11 that we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus this is us this is all of us in the christian church so then you get to the older son he was not at the house when this all occurred. He instead hears dancing as he starts to go home that day, and he asks one of his servants what's going on. So he gets the report that his brothers come home, what dad has done, killed the calf. So throwing a party. And what's the older brother's response? Is it much joy? No. It's anger, it's jealousy against his brother. He refuses to go in, so he's throwing a you know a pity party outside. The father comes out to him, invites him in, but he won't have it. And his response to dad is, for many years I've served you, never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. See the jealousy there? Now, remember, dad divided his property earlier between them. The older brother got two-thirds. He has what his dad's. That's a note that the older brother doesn't notice. But when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The rage, the jealousy, the, the greed that is displayed by the older brother here. And the father's response is simple. You are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and again your brother was dead and he's alive he was lost is found a lot of similar language repeated in this parable what we see here is just like the first two parables the older brother is the 99 who think that they are righteous but they are not the older brother is also a sinner he also needs to repent and if he repents the father will celebrate the father is inviting him to come into the house even now to celebrate but he won't. So you can have a conversation on this parable the prodigal son about who is who. So the father is God. The younger brother is every sinner, in a sense. The older brother is, in this context, the Pharisees and the scribes, Remember who Jesus is talking to as he tells this parable. And notice how it's open-ended. We don't know what becomes of the older brother. Jesus is speaking this to Pharisees and scribes who think that they're better than the tax collectors and the sinners. They're the older brother. They don't want to be part of it when God has sent his son Jesus to save the sinner. And Jesus leaves it open. The door is open. Come on in. Repent, believe, have faith, receive the gift of life that God would give. And in truth, we know some of the Pharisees do trust in Christ. I've named them already in this book. We know Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea by name. Quite possibly others. I guess we would know Paul by name, don't we? As for us, we rejoice that there is much joy in heaven over one sinner who repents because that's me. And that's you. And Christ loves us, and He died to save us. Amen. Let us praise the Lord in God, Christ, who